0: Welcome to The World Stage. My name is Tora Berginaterstad. It's been over a year since the beginning of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And every day of this war, people, both combatants and civilians, go missing. All of them should matter, and there are a lot of people working hard to make sure that they're not forgotten. One of those people is Katrin Bomberger, the Director General of the International Commission on Missing Persons. And she's also our guest today. Welcome. Catherine. Thank you. The ICMP is an intergovernmental organization tasked with securing and assisting the cooperation of the world's authorities in locating people that have gone missing as a result of conflict, human rights abuses, disasters, or other causes. In this podcast, we'll mainly be discussing the ICMP's efforts in Ukraine, but I thought maybe you should start by telling our listeners a little bit about the organization. What is the International Commission on Missing Persons? What do you do?
1: Well, thank you very much for inviting me to speak today uh, about the issue of missing and disappeared persons and specifically in the context of Ukraine and the ongoing war. Um, ICMP was created in 1996, originally to address the conflicts in the former Yugoslavia, where over 160,000 people died during the conflicts between 1991 to 2001, including the persons missing from the Macedonian crisis, Uh, and of that number, 40,000 people went missing. So creating a standalone institution that would be responsible for securing the cooperation of governments and others to locate missing persons uh, is what happened in 1996, and ICMP's mandate is to ensure that cooperation. But let me back up a little bit, just for your listeners, to explain what the issue is. So people have gone missing forever. This is not a new issue, it's a very old topic, in fact. Um, And in the context of the modern world, people have gone missing as a consequence of conflicts and wars that have ravaged um, humanity for a very long time from human rights abuses, including people who are forcibly disappeared, meaning circumstances in which the state itself is responsible for disappearing people, including political actors acting on their behalf. Increasingly, people go missing as a consequence of global warming, uh, where there's a rise in global warming, which causes a rise in wildfires, uh, uh, flooding, uh, other types of natural disasters. So increasingly, people are missing as a consequence of global warming, which has also caused a rise in migration. Um, Today, Europe has the highest number of dead and missing migrants in the world. Most people don't know this. According to the International Organization for Migration, um, in today's world, uh, there are 50,000 missing migrants in the world, of which 25,000 are in Europe. So this is an issue that affects all of us. Uh, People are also missing from organized violence. So the key here is is understanding who are the missing, why they go missing, what are the drivers of missing persons cases, and ensuring that the global community acts together to resolve these cases in the interest of securing the human rights of survivors, uh, including justice, truth, and reparation. So our job is to ensure that cooperation between governments Uh, but also to ensure that families of the missing come together, unite, uh, and that their rights can be respected uh, and they can act as advocates for this issue. So that's in a nutshell what we're trying to do.
0: At this stage of of the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, uh, what do you see as your main tasks there?
1: This is very complicated. ICMP was originally invited to help Ukraine following the discovery of mass graves in Slavyansk in 2014. Uh, so we have been trying for well almost a decade to try to find ways to support Ukraine. We are voluntarily funded, so this has been a long, long process. Uh, since the war started, the invasion, following 2000, uh, in, in last year uh, in, on February 24th, uh, we have received support to begin a process. We were invited by the prosecutor's office to begin a process of helping to investigate missing persons cases. And the numbers are growing, as you said, by the day. However, the total number is not known. But the circumstances include uh, persons missing who are now abducted, children who have been deported, uh, persons who have been executed. We saw again today in the news uh, the the circumstances of a soldier who was beheaded. Uh, So this is really a horrible um, issue that will have uh, lingering consequences uh, hopefully, once this hopefully this war ends at some point soon, but the consequences of this war, which are horrific, will last for a long time. And one of the issues that will be predominant and already is predominant on the fa- minds of the families of the missing is finding their missing loved ones and ensuring also that justice is secured. So beginning this process now is unusual. And I was telling your colleagues this earlier, and we've been reflecting on this at ICMP, Uh, But conducting investigations into large-scale atrocities, including missing persons cases, while there's an active conflict, is unusual. And I've been trying to think back to my time uh, working in the former Yugoslavia, where we've helped the governments there account for over 70% of the 40,000 people who went missing, which is unprecedented. That process began in earnest after the conflict ended. So to start this process now is unusual, uh, and this will have complications because of the need to ensure security and privacy of fallen soldiers and numbers uh, that may be subject to confidentiality. Um, and I should put this in perspective, too, because during wartime, humanitarian law prevails. Uh, the Geneva Conventions should be adhered to. Unfortunately, they're not. Uh, People are missing, protection is failing, but these are the laws of war. So while there's an active conflict trying to secure human rights, uh, which is what you do with institutions such as the prosecutor's office, law enforcement, to ensure proper uh, investigations are carried out, is going to be complicated. Uh, But this has started. And the reason it's so important is that the world changed in the 1990s uh, with the creation of the International Criminal Court, uh, with the creation of the ICTY, the, the Tribunal for the Former Yugoslavia and Rwanda in 1993, the ICC in 1998, ICMP in 1996, ensuring that states take responsibility to find all missing persons, regardless of their ethnic, religious or national origin. Uh, is what we aspire to do. And Ukraine, we will help Ukraine do this, and it will be important that Ukraine finds both Ukrainians and non-Ukrainians to a level where that evidence can be provided in international criminal courts and perpetrators can be held to account, regardless of who the perpetrators are.
0: From the outside, it's almost impossible to understand how any administrative routine or, or system can be operative in the current conditions, but we know that the Ukrainian authorities are, for example, making a significant effort to document war crimes. And together with you, they work with uh, locating and identifying missing people. How would you describe the working conditions for that? What are you hearing from the field? But what the
1: Ukrainian authorities are doing is genuinely heroic. Um, And also the families of the missing and civil society organizations in Ukraine Um, who are amazing. We just had meetings with them last week in The Hague. They are strong. There are many women, very strong, very active, uh, very engaged. Uh, So ensuring cooperation between families of the missing Ukrainian civil society organizations and the government itself is critical but your question is a good one. It's very difficult while there's an active conflict to engage in this type of systematic investigations, especially to a level that ensures that evidence can be provided to an international court. But as I said, the the efforts are heroic. But our work is to try to harmonize the work of the institutions involved, uh, because currently the security forces, the uh, police forces are operating very much in a manner that one would before the invasion took place. So police are conducting uh, investigations case by case in many cases, uh, which is what you would have done before the invasion. However, Ukraine is now faced with a severely abnormal set of circumstances and an abnormally large number of missing persons, and what happened before the invasion can no longer apply. So we need to help them conduct investigations into missing persons cases thousands at a time. And this is where DNA technology comes in, advanced DNA technologies, data systems technologies can apply. And this is the complication, because this requires a harmonization of work. Uh, perhaps creating a a purpose-specific institution within Ukraine that can be responsible for coordinating this process between the various ministries and can be the door that families of the missing persons can knock at. Because the the harder it is for them, the harder the process of justice will be. Families of the missing need to know, uh, know, have one door where they can go to, have an easy process where they can understand what's happening step-by-step to their missing loved ones.
0: No, I mean, extremely abnormal, uh, like you say, it's, um, you know, when I was asked to do this podcast, uh, there are two immediate associations to missing persons in Ukraine that I think a lot of people will have. It's the mass graves that you mentioned, the people who are among unidentified dead. And then there are the missing who are alive and out there somewhere and and like the children that have been taken away from their families. Uh, There's been speculation about what the point of that is, what is this, uh, on what scale. What's your take on that?
1: Well, let me put it this way. Uh, These atrocities are on a scale that is abnormal. I mean, this is a huge undertaking. So in order to, to begin finding these missing persons. Again, as you noted, whether they are dead, found in a mass grave in Bucha or another location, or whether they're children that have been forcibly abducted um, to Russia, this will require an approach that I think is similar to what we've done in other areas. Uh, Let me explain that. So uh, in the former Yugoslavia, to find such a high number of missing persons, this required first cooperation between families of the missing from all sides, And they've come together and they have a regional coordination body of families of the missing uh, that represents Croatia, Serbia, Kosovo, uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina, Montenegro. This is critical. Secondly, eventually, the governments came together to conduct investigations together into missing persons cases. But right now, that's a distant dream at the moment. So what can be done now is applying advanced technologies to begin a process of massive investigations. So if one assumes, and this is a hypothetical number because we don't know what the numbers are at the moment, that 30,000 people are already missing under a variety of circumstances, what ICMP would like to do is conduct a massive outreach campaign together with the Ukrainian authorities and Ukrainian civil society and families of the missing to reach out to collect data. That's step number one. This is what can be done now. Uh, that data would include a report of from the person who's reporting the missing person and then reporting the missing person themselves. What were the circumstances of the disappearance? Was sexual violence involved in these cases of disappearance? And also the provision of uh, genetic information which needs to be provided voluntarily by families of the missing so that accurate identifications can be made and led by DNA. And I'll explain why this is so important. Because having irrefutable evidence of identity that can be linked back to the crime scene will be essential not only to families of the missing for purposes of potential closure, which may or may not be possible for individuals after what they've gone through, but specifically also for purposes of justice and truth. So having a massive Outreach, which in this case, if we hypothetically assume there are 30,000 missing persons, including the deported children, one would have to collect data from a minimum of 100,000 families of the missing living inside Ukraine and outside of Ukraine, including, for example, potentially Ukrainian refugees residing in Norway and other countries that have so generously taken on Ukrainian refugees. That data would then have to be matched to every single location where there has been a mass grave or a body disposal site or eventually to the deported children themselves who may no longer be recognizable if years pass before they're able to be reunited with their families. That also requires proper documentation at every single site of forensic interest, mass grave site or clandestine grave site. All of that data needs to be uploaded into a database Um, This also requires proper, proper ability not only to identify the missing person, but to then allow forensic specialists to determine cause and manner of death. So all of this data becomes a body of evidence Uh, that will need to be secured to combat misinformation which is already occurring um, across the region and to ensure that perpetrators are held to account. And I say this from experience. This is exactly what we did in the former Yugoslavia and I think the case in point that I would like to highlight is the Srebrenica genocide uh, which took place in 1995. Over 8,000 Muslim men and boys uh, were killed in a matter of days. Uh, Their bodies were buried in mass graves along in eastern Bosnia. After the war ended, perpetrators removed the bodies from primary locations to uh, secondary locations across uh, eastern Bosnia um, using heavy machinery. The bodies were utterly disarticulated. I'm sorry to say this for your your listeners, uh, and DNA became the only way to identify them. I shudder to think what would have happened had we not used DNA together with families who united with us to identify those missing persons, which was a painful process for them because one year you would find one piece of a mother's son, the next year you would find another, and so on and so forth, uh, till we were able to reassociate the body. This became a a really important point, not only for families of the missing, but that evidence was provided in 35 uh, trials, both in Bosnia-Herzegovina and before the international court. I believe that this type of work, this level of evidence, will be required uh, to ensure that perpetrators are held to account, that families of the missing can secure their rights, and to ensure finally peace and stability. So this is what we're up against, and this is basically World War III. So what we did in the Balkans is going to be child's play compared to what we're up against now. And these crimes are linked, by the way, ICMP has programs in Syria, Libya, they're missing migrants, Uh, there are also Ukrainian refugees, children that are being trafficked in Europe. So this is a, a massive problem uh, that, that involves a number of states from Russia to Ukraine and beyond. So ensuring that uh, the community of governments, um, including Norway and other governments, work together uh, with ICMP, with other organizations, including the ICRC, UN entities, we must unite and cooperate together to make sure that this issue is addressed.
0: You mentioned the Balkans, Libya, Syria, Europe you also work in in other states you know um it's only natural now that ukraine is the priority but are there other regions you have to deprioritize then
1: uh no that's not how we work uh ukraine is a priority uh but our work um is global and the lessons learned are applied from one region to another but there's a link between all of them i mean we are a global society and i think we we have to work together i mean ukraine doesn't exist in a vacuum and the war there uh is massive and it's one that will suck us all into you know uh, a situation which i think terrifies many of us So ensuring that we work together is going to be um, essential. But there is a link to Syria. There is a link to the Western Balkans. There is a link uh, to Libya in these cases. There are, as you know, Syrian fighters uh, who may be part of mercenary armies uh, fighting in that location. There's also a link to Azerbaijan-Armenia where we're also going to do a review of the situation. So if you just look at Europe itself right now, and I spoke about missing migrants, um, uh, missing dead migrants and missing living migrants. This issue, Europe is Europe now has the highest number of missing persons that it's had since World War II or since the Balkans' war. So this is a very serious undertaking um, that really requires looking at this beyond just the borders of Ukraine and into the European neighborhood itself.
0: I want to stay on the topic of of your role in the international system. Um, You are a representative of a rules-based international order and we we live in a time of increased uh, tension, increased contestation. What challenges do international rights organizations like yours face in the current geopolitical circumstances?
1: The challenges are very big. Um, Because I think this issue, like others, especially when you're dealing with a rules-based international organization, as you said, that ICMP is, uh, the politics are fierce in this. And and we are part of a political process. Um, So where we we work in highly politicized areas. Uh, So being able to conduct these operations does require trust, building trust, Uh, with families of the missing, building trust with government institutions, including many governments. So it's a very complicated process. And I think the mistrust uh, today uh, that exists um, against governments, the mistrust that today also uh, is represented in the media, um, is a huge challenge. And, And this, I can say, looking back on the years that I've been doing this, especially in the former Yugoslavia, the same set of circumstances did not exist. Uh, There was an international community that tended to work together more efficiently um, with more uh, credibility. Um, The fact that these courts could have been established in the 1990s says a lot. I wonder if today this could happen. Uh, So I I think one good silver lining about the the war in Ukraine, if there is one, is that it's reminded us of the need for rules-based societies. Uh, of the need to ensure that the rule of law prevails, because it is all we have. So ensuring proper investigations into criminal activity, whether it's taking place in Ukraine or even when it's occurring with missing migrants, where the same rules apply, proper investigations must be conducted into disappearances, whether the person is a citizen or non-citizen. So, so this is, this gets to the heart of our democracies. Upholding the rule of law is essential to maintaining our democracy. So this war is much bigger. And I'm not the first person to say this, obviously. But ensuring that rules and rules-based procedures are undertaken is critical to upholding
0: our democracies. Zooming back in on Ukraine, there is a fear that this will be a very long-lasting war. And with that, the ICMP's job there will, I guess, continue. You touched on this already, but what are the main challenges for your work in Ukraine going forward?
1: And this is the issue because it's the challenge is about the governments and families of the missing. We're here to help uh, ensure that they take responsibility. And that's going to be the challenge. I mean, while there's an ongoing war, emotions are running very, very high. So, making sure that uh, good governance procedures are maintained by Ukraine, ensuring that there is impartiality, um, will be a tall order. Uh, and and this, is, this will be a political battle, I think, on many fronts, as we're used to. Uh, So our job is not – we're invited in. Our job is to ensure that the state itself takes responsibility and conducts its investigations in an impartial manner and helps all families of the missing, regardless of their ethnic, religious, or national origin. Um, Because the battle itself, the war itself, uh, goes beyond – Ukraine, and there are Ukrainians and non Ukrainians there, as I said earlier, having an international organization provide that support to ensure that cooperation, also with families of the missing. And I just want to talk about this point for one second. If they don't find, if they don't trust the government that is helping them, um, then there's a problem. And I think that's the biggest challenge we all have, is ensuring trust. Uh, from civil society in a process that adheres to the rule of law. Once that trust is broken, it takes time to repair it. And missing persons is just one of many issues that Ukraine is facing. But this challenge, if done correctly, can be, be part of the building blocks for peace.
0: We soon have to round off, but I want to pick back up on why this is important. So you describe uh, work that is it's both humanitarian it's also about documentation and I was wondering you know in concrete terms what are you working towards for example when this war is finally coming to an end uh, what do you hope to have achieved well I would
1: characterize the work as uh, a human rights work um and, and this is an important distinction, um, ensuring, I mean, humanitarian law prevails during war. We hope this war ends, and at that point, um, Ukrainian institutions need to be competent to adhere, as I said, to the rule of law, good governance procedures to ensure impartiality in investigating missing persons cases and securing rights. I get this question all the time. Uh, so, for example, in the former Yugoslavia, and I think this is the best example I can give from my own experience and my own work, um, having now helped governments together cooperate to find over 70 percent of the missing persons from the conflicts, not everyone is going to be found. Uh, because we can see that the search efforts are, are, are as rigorous as they ever were, but finding the missing now is becoming more and more difficult since the majority have been found. But I think the, what we want to see at the end of this is that cooperation, um, that these countries that were, that were enemies at one point, that are now states that have prosecutors' offices and other mechanisms to conduct investigations, work together that they have the trust of civil society and families of the missing, they have the trust of their citizens to continue this work. And I think that's what you want to see in the end, that there's cooperation between civil society, between the governments, and trust that the government will continue these investigations. Now, there is a political process that also surrounds this, and I'm not being naive. Uh, I think anyone that looks at the the former Yugoslavia now, at the Western Balkans, would would say it's in a very fragile place, Uh, and it's a very uh, sad situation, Um, looking at Kosovo and Serbia and other parts of the former Yugoslavia. But what's remarkable to me, and probably the story that's not told, is the one I see every day, where governments are cooperating at a working level on this issue, and they trust each other. And there are routine meetings between those governments and families of the missing where families are really strong. And many of them are, are go to their governments, um, are highly educated about the process, have learned a lot about DNA uh, and take no <laughs> – they are – I don't want to use about – but they are really strong um, and are really are strong advocates that are able to ensure that their governments provide them with information. So – it's, it's, it is a good story. That is, you know, it's not enough because not everyone will be found. But ensuring that, that there are democratic institutions that are accountable to citizens and that they can work together, I think that's the best you can hope for. And that that process will continue between them and ICMP will no longer be necessary.
0: We will end on that note. Thanks to Catherine and to the ICMP for their important work. You've heard an episode of The World Stage with me, Tora Barginatishta, and Catherine Bomberger, who is the Director General of the International Commission on Missing Persons. Thank you for listening.